Well, good morning, everyone. It really is a pleasure to be here, but let's just bow for a moment of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to gather here this morning. And I pray, Lord, that my words can bring honor to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When Jason asked me to speak this morning, um, he asked me to talk about what Jesus' birth meant to me. So let me begin with a few words you will all recognize. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This statement found in those familiar first verses of the Gospel of John contain enough truth and wonder and amazement to keep us here for hours. You'll be happy to know I will not talk for hours. But I do invite you to ponder for a moment the enormity of that statement, that God came in the flesh to this broken world, knowing full well that his journey here would end in a violent, painful, and shameful death. The God of all creation, who created everything out of nothing, became as one of us. His unremarkable birth in an unremarkable stable, in an unremarkable town, was one of the most remarkable events this world has ever seen, comparable only to Jesus' resurrection and his coming again in glory. But what does it mean for me? Putting the stress of Christmas shopping aside, Christmas is a time of giving and receiving gifts as an expression of our love. So I'm going to use the analogy of a gift to illustrate what Jesus' birth means to me. Jesus came to me as a gift, a gift that was wrapped in a very plain, very unremarkable box. The gift did not have a shiny red bow or lots of glitter, just a small box with a label that said, to Linda, with love from God. Within the Anglican context, I would say that I received this gift when I was baptized, when I was marked as one of God's own. But I was too young to really be aware that I now had this box, so it sat on a shelf for a long time. At some point, I was told in Sunday school and church that this, got, this gift box contained Jesus. I listened to the stories about him and tucked them away in the back of my mind. The box moved with me from home to university into adulthood. It was nice having it. I was never tempted to throw it away, but I never really paid a lot of attention to it. Thankfully, one day I became curious about this Jesus in the box on my shelf. So I opened it and I invited Jesus to step out of the box and into my life and thus began a whole new journey of discovery. I can think of the many kinds of Christmas gifts I have received over my life. I remember with absolute joy when I found a Hopalong Cassidy watch under the tree. I'm dating myself now. I knew then for sure that Santa Claus was real because I did not think my parents could afford to buy me a watch. Ah, but then there were the other gifts, like the requisite socks and mitts and underwear that did not elicit such joy. 
But over time, even the Hopalong Cassidy watch wore out or I outgrew it. So it is with so many of the gifts we have both given and received. But the gift of Jesus in that unremarkable plain box has never lost value. However, to truly know and experience its value, I had to open it, invite Jesus to step out of the box and into my life. Of course, this begs the question, how does one actually invite Jesus into our lives, into my life? As Anglicans, we worship with beautiful liturgy and prayers that inform and remind us each Sunday of Christ's presence, his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness. I had to ask myself, are these just words I recite, or have they actually pierced my heart? For me, the answer was found partly in the story of Nicodemus. He was, as you will remember, one of the Jewish leaders trying to trap and kill Jesus. But Nicodemus was different. There was something about this Jesus that captivated him. So he secretly went to meet him under the cover of darkness because he was afraid of being seen with him, afraid what his Pharisee friends would say. He recognized that no one could do the things Jesus was doing unless God was with him. In speaking with Nicodemus, Jesus made that famous statement that no one could see the kingdom of heaven unless they were born again. This was clearly a confusing statement for Nicodemus. So Jesus explained that he was talking about a spiritual birth, a birth that would change a person from the inside. The conversation with Nicodemus continued until Jesus makes another well-known statement, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not die but have eternal life. I recognize that this spiritual birth must relate to, to the belief in Jesus. And that belief must be more than a casual acknowledgement of Jesus. It was something deeper. For me, I had to do more than just open the box and acknowledge that Jesus is this wonderful gift. I had to consciously give him permission to invade my life and fully reside there. It was purely an act of faith. Throughout this past Advent season, I used a beautiful book called God With Us in my daily devotions. Each day there is a scripture to read, a short message by various Christian theologians and writers, and beautiful illustrations of famous paintings. I want to share the message from the first Monday of Advent by Richard Newhouse. And I quote, Faith does not assert claims. Faith receives the gift that is undeserved. Faith is itself a gift, the gift of receptivity. Mary received the gift in saying, let it be to me according to your word. To her and through her to us was given the gift of the child who is nothing less and no one less than the savior of the world. The gift is already given for those who give him permission. It really is a matter of giving God permission, 
as Mary gave God permission. He will not be Lord of our life without our permission. Faith is giving permission. Yes, I had the gift of Jesus in the box on the shelf, but I kept Jesus on the periphery of my life. It took me many years to realize that I had to make a conscious decision about this Christmas gift of Jesus. I had to take that deliberate step of giving him permission to be Lord of my life. I had come to know a lot about Jesus, but in fact, I did not know him. You see, information is not transformation. Let me say that again. Information is not transformation. And transformation is what Jesus is about when he knocks on the door of our heart. Paul tells us in Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Being born again spiritually is about being transformed, about opening up our lives and giving God permission to change us from the inside. While it is not stated specifically, we can glean from scripture that this encounter with Jesus had a profound effect on Nicodemus. After first sneaking out to meet Jesus in the dark out of fear, he later openly challenges the chief priests and Pharisees in their quest to trap Jesus. And after Jesus' crucifixion, Nicodemus accompanies Joseph of Arimathea to receive Jesus' body an act that took great courage given the politics and the role of the Pharisees in Jesus' death. Something profound had changed in Nicodemus after his encounter with Jesus. Looking back at some of the great people of the Bible, we see that for them too, there was a point at which they had to make that decision, a decision based on faith to give God permission to be Lord of their life. Think of Abraham. He left his country and his tribe for a totally unknown place. He literally marched off the map as he knew it. Moses did not want to leave the Israelites, but he accepted the gift of letting God be in control of his life. The prophets were scorned, ignored, even killed, but they too gave God permission. Paul and the apostles gave permission, opened themselves fully to Jesus, and changed the world. None of these people went looking for this gift. God came to them just as he came to me and just as he comes to us, offering the gift. Again, I quote Richard Newhouse. To utter the words, Lord, I am not worthy, is an act of surrendering to love. Lord, I am not worthy is an act of surrendering to love. They are words by which we empty ourselves, by which we open ourselves to receive the gift. If we are all full of ourselves, complaining about what we deserve and what we do not deserve, there is no room in our hearts to receive the gift. If we deserve the gift, it would not be a gift. 
Lord, I am not worthy. With these words, we make room in our hearts for the gift. With these words, complaints and grievances are banished. With these words, faith gives permission for Christ to be in our lives. Emmanuel, God with us. And so I come back to Jesus' birth and what it means to me. It is the little box, the gift I was given when I was declared to be God's child. But until I opened it and opened my heart to the gift, I was never really alive. Everyone has a story, a story that contains joy and sorrow, success and failure, beauty and betrayal. But all of us have been given the gift of the little box. The question is, have we opened it? Have we invited Jesus to step out of the box and into our lives so that we can truly be born again spiritually? To do so is not a free pass to a problem-free life, but it is a promise that Jesus will walk with us, leading, guiding, encouraging, comforting all the days of our lives. All we need to do is receive the gift and give him permission. Amen.